Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. Then the, uh, the mother of the bride comes over to me, and uh, she's an interesting character. She comes over and she looks at me dead in the eyes and says, turn off this middle class crap and let's rock. Running into the bathroom. I mean, all of it's dramatic once I think about it. I'm running into the bathroom. I'm sliding down the wall, crying in my wedding dress. There's like mascara dripping all over the place. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Jessica Hankin. And I am Laura Wexler. And this week on the podcast, Fiasco, When Weddings Go Wrong. Two stories about, well, when weddings go wrong. Wow. <laughs> that was well put. <laughs> <laughs> when podcasts go wrong. <laughs> Two stories about when Jessica repeats the title of the podcast. You know, it's just I want to drive home what happens in these stories, just in case there's any ambiguity. Um, we did this again with um, Baltimore Magazine. Janelle Ehrlich Diamond is, is a dream. She co-hosted the show at the Baltimore Museum of Industry, which is a beautiful place to get married if yes. you're looking for a venue. And um, this first storyteller, Dennis Smith, <laughs> uh, is a, oh, God, he's just a really funny guy. Uh, he's an aging, um, he says, creative uh, that loves telling stories. But I think, I mean, he's he's a pretty buttoned up guy in his day life. So it's great, like, day job. That's what I mean to say. Um, <laughs> that he allows himself to, um, to, to tell these really funny stories and share them with the audience. So please welcome, take a listen, rather. <laughs> when Den- podcasts go wrong. <laughs> to Dennis Smith. So the summer of 1996, I had just graduated from college and was getting ready to go to graduate school that fall. So I needed to make some money in the, the time between. So I lined up a couple different jobs, one of which a friend got me at a DJ company, Beach Boys DJs in Northeast Ohio. And I thought, I can do this. I know music. What's so hard about this? So uh, he gets me set up, and uh, I do my first gig. It goes great. You know, no problem, typical wedding, so this is going to be a great summer. My second gig out, I get sent to a gig that is well outside the normal business zone of the, the company, which should have been my first tell that, that this is not our typical client. And I show up at this facility that is beautiful, huge, majestic building with a uh, grand entrance and multiple reception halls. You could have your wedding there in the, the foyer entrance, that grand staircase, and the wedding that I was doing did just that. They had their wedding ceremony in the front and then a reception hall down down the back. So I show up with about half an hour until it's time for the reception, plenty of time for me to set up my equipment, get going, and probably like, you know, a few minutes until the wedding ceremony is supposed to start. Uh, I get there and the people see me and they say, all right, you ready? We need the music. And uh, I'm looking at them saying, what music? Now, so something about being a DJ, if you've not done it for weddings, you typically have a a whole run of show sheet that tells you what's supposed to happen, at what time, who's doing what. It's it's your Bible for the evening. This is not part of that run sheet at all. And so they're expecting me to play music for the wedding ceremony, the entire wedding ceremony from the start to the end. Uh, And so, mind you, this time I just got out of college. I had been to very few weddings, was not really paying attention to what people typically play at these events. And uh, so I'm kind of thinking through my head, and I, I just grabbed some of the best hits off the top of my head, you know, Poshmore's Cannon, 
play some of the music, and it goes fine. It's good enough, right? Nobody complains. And then rush down and, and get my equipment set up in the reception hall. So, all right, you know, going to move past that little speed bump. What's the worst that could happen? So get down there, I set up, and uh, now we're moving into cocktail hour, and it's going to, you know, go into dinner soon. So I have standard uh, background jazz music playing, right? Kind of typical low, soft jazz uh, that you'd expect from this kind of event, right? If you've been to weddings, you've, you've heard this. And uh, as we're going along, we're getting ready for the, uh, the toast, right? So I'm following my run sheet for the evening, and the, uh, the maid of honor, the best man toast is coming up, so couple minutes to go for that. So I go and find them. They go, hey, you're going to be up soon. Just give you a heads up if you want to get yourself ready. Any final notes? Maid of honor, great. Best man. Who is the father of the groom? Different choice, but it's really kind of sweet. <laughs> and uh, I say, you, you know, you ready to go in a few minutes? And he looks at me and he says, what do I say? <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, uh, wow, this must be an emotional moment for him. He's, you know, no, yeah, he's, he's looking at me saying, what do I say? The, the man is not familiar with the concept of the toast. Uh, this seemed to be news to him that he was giving it. No preparation, and it's a few minutes if we're staying on track for the evening. So I proceed to grab a cocktail napkin and write the toast. <laughs> so if you weren't tracking the story, I don't know these people. I have no context or background for the relationship that this man has with his son, I scribble out a, a toast, hand it to him, and a couple minutes later, the, the father of the groom is delivering the toast that I wrote to his son. <laughs> so now I'm, my, my footing is unsure. I'm kind of like on a swivel, like this is not going at all like I thought. And uh, so we, we kind of proceed through, uh, you know, dinner's going fine then. And then... Uh, one of the sets of parents comes over to me. Mind you, the parents had all been uh, divorced. The two, two sets of parents had been divorced. At some point, everybody had remarried. So there's four sets of parents, um, which kind of comes up a little bit later. And uh, one set comes over and says, we'd like you to make an announcement that uh, in a couple minutes, the bride and groom are going to open the large gifts on the dance floor. And they, yeah, they say large gifts. And so I look back and they say, I'm kind of half joking. I thought they were, I said, the large gifts? They get, and they look at me deadpan. The large gifts. So I, I make an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, please direct your attention to the dance floor where the bride and groom will now open the large gifts. And they head over to the gift table and kind of push to the side anything that is not like the size of this box and come over in the middle of the dance floor and open up those gifts. And every wedding I've played or been to since, I've never seen that happen again. So now I'm really continuing down this journey of I don't know what this sheet is for, like what, what's going on. Uh, and so we get to the end of the dinner service, and then the, uh, the mother of the bride comes over to me. And uh, she's an interesting character. She comes over, and she looks at me dead in the eyes and says, turn off this middle-class crap, and let's rock. <laughs> that should have been an indication of where things were heading. <laughs> So uh, I obliged them, and we, we transitioned to the music. I think I played some ACDC to get things going. And next thing you know, the dance floor is kind of filling up with people. And so now it's, all right, we're, we're kind of, now we're in the part that I'm real comfortable with, right? Just kind of music back and forth. And I'm noticing, you know, there's a little commotion on the edge of the room, but nothing, nothing really, you know, too, too out of sight. And uh, I am starting to notice, though, that the manager for the facility is starting to kind of make some appearances in, a little more than I would expect. There's multiple reception halls in this place. Not expecting to see this man popping in and out that much. So my spidey sense is kind of going off a little bit. So we're going along. And uh, then uh, the 
the mother of the bride comes back to me and says, let's get the conga line going now. <laughs> sure, no problem. So we transition into Buster Point Dexter, hot, hot, hot. Many of you have probably danced to it at a wedding in the last 30 years. And that starts going, and the conga line is off. Not being led by the bride, not being led by the groom, being led by the mother of the bride. This is her conga line. Again, un- untraditional choice. And uh, they're going along and snaking around this room. And uh, now I'm really starting to see the manager come in. And there's, there's kind of well, almost kerfuffles. There's definitely some action among these different sets of parents, right? So, you know, the fact that everybody's divorced and remarried kind of indicated there's a little disharmony. And uh, this conga line is going around. And she is passing the tables, leading this thing. And at this point in time, coffee service had come out. So on the tables, there's little baskets of you know, sugar and creamers. And, uh, you know, she is uh, grabbing the baskets and flinging them in the air. And so there's sugar packets just kind of floating through the room. In addition to that, before that happened, she snakes by the bar and she grabs a bottle of tequila, takes a swig as she's leading it, and this is not like, hey, all right, here you go. This is her drink. This is her <laughs> beverage that she's drinking as she just goes. And the whole line is following her, so this is not their first rodeo. And uh, so now I'm seeing the manager is back. He's got quite a few of his staff with him, and there's kind of a they're meeting, and he's talking to these parents. And at some point, he kind of comes over closer to me, and he's, he's giving me kind of the, like, you need to start wrapping this up because it's, it's getting very volatile. And uh, that, that mother of the bride sees this, and she beelines it over to me, and she says, you do not turn off that music. So I'm kind of like, uh, they're paying for this. What do I do? And uh, within a few more minutes, there's definitely some skirmishes. The, the staff is lining the perimeter of the room, almost like if you go to a Ravens game at the fourth quarter, you see the ushers, you know, the security cordon, just in case things turn. They are ready. And uh, at that point, then the manager just comes over to me, and he goes... Like that. And so I killed the music. And what usually takes about 20 minutes to pack up all the gear, I did it in like five. <laughs> I got my van and I got out of there. And uh, so, you know, got, got away unscathed, might have left some stuff behind. I don't know, don't care. And, uh, you know, from that evening, I learned that there is a lot more to being a DJ than just knowing how to pick good songs. Thank you. <laughs> So I just, I love every damn thing about this story, like picturing him as this young, budding wedding DJ, just basically like den of lions and walking into that and like, oh, I'm supposed to give a toast. Uh, What should I say? And okay, so I write the toast and then I play. Oh, my God. I love this. I just love the complete and utter fiasco-ness of it. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll hear our second fiasco wedding story. Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. 
you didn't have you had two two weddings and neither of them were fiascos, yeah, right? No, yeah. no. Well, I mean, you could argue the first one was in that it ended in divorce, <laughs> but no, actually, the wedding was great. Um, no, I had re- two really good weddings. Yeah, the second yeah. I went, I was at the second one. And it was really fun. I didn't. I mean, I actually didn't want to have a second wedding because I felt like it was too extravagant and weird. Because you know, it only been a few years since my first wedding, but I, you know, I saw so I like. Mike, I was like, oh, well, we should, let's just have a picnic. <laughs> and so we looked at a pavilion at Druid Hill Park. And um, and my mom and dad said, well, you know, where where will the bathrooms be? And I said, oh, there's there's like a porta potty. <laughs> and my mother said, all of our friends have prostate issues. We're not coming to a picnic grounds where there's not an actual bathroom. It was hilarious. And so finally they just said, okay, you're going to have a wedding. We're doing it for Mike. We're doing it for Mike, not for you. So just (laughs) shut up. Okay. Um, This next story we have for you today, boy, is this a doozy. So this is from Amanda Mack, who um, you may have heard of her bakery, Crust by Mack. Um, She's kind of famous in that world. And um, this, this story is... I mean, if this were not true, you might not actually believe it, the <laughs> level of shit show that, that occurs here. So please take a listen. Hey, y'all. <laughs> uh, so I met my husband in high school, ninth grade. Um, he was a total jack, and I was not into him um, until we went to college. We went to the same college, and... I actually got to know him, and I fell madly in love with him. I'm glad he's not here to hear me say that. <laughs> um, I fell madly in love with him, and um, ever since we started dating, he always told me, like, girl, I'm going to marry you. I'm going to marry you, girl. And he did. Um, two kids and $25,000 later. Um, we got married. We planned a beautiful wedding at Silburn Arboretum. Um, the plan was to get married right out front of this beautiful oak tree. I'm really into nature, so that was my thing. Um, and it was, like, the most beautiful thing. We were, like, deep into wedding planning. He was very involved. He actually found the caterer, the DJ, and the wedding planner who all worked under the same company. So I'm like, oh, we're doing it really good. We are ahead of the game. Um, we were at, like, wedding tastings. We picked out linens with the, the planner, picked out all the music. So we were like, okay, this is going great. Um, two months before the wedding, we got a hysterical call from the wedding planner who told us that she was dissolving her business with the caterer and the DJ for irreconcilable differences, which really she told us that um, the caterer had all of these things going on, like she wasn't upholding her end of the bargain. It was a mess. Brides were upset. So immediately we called her and was like, listen, what is going on? With two months before the wedding, for the person who's providing the food and the alcohol, I'm like... We're going to go with you and just find a day of coordinator because all of the things are already planned at this point. Okay, great. We decided to find a new planner. Everything was great. Everything was fine. Um, We come to the wedding day. I'm so excited. My sister comes to pick me up. She brings me coffee. I get all of my things from the house. We go to my mom's house. My wedding dress, all of the things are with me. Um, 
It's very important that we got to the wedding on time because we planned this beautiful sunset wedding in October in front of this big oak tree. So we lied to our guests, 150 mostly black people. We had to do this. Um, So the wedding could start on time. We had to tell them. (laughs) We told them the wedding was 45 minutes earlier than what it was. Um, All of this. At 10 minutes before, it's time for me to, like, get dressed and leave so we can go to the Arboretum and take photos. I am frantic looking for my wedding dress. I cannot find it. I don't know where it is. I have an eight-month baby on my hip, crying, wanting the boob. I'm just over it all. And I find out that the wedding dress is in the trunk of the rental car, getting detailed, which was supposed to be dropped off an hour ago. So now, the wedding that I told people that started 45 minutes earlier than what it did, I'm late for a whole hour, um, get to the ceremony and the beautiful oak tree that we're getting married in front of. It looked a lot like this. Um, It was pitch black. It was pitch black outside. My husband is walking around in circles like, oh my gosh, is she coming? Of course I am. It only took us forever to get married. So we get to the wedding. The ceremony was beautiful. The vows were just beautiful. The whole entire wedding party, we were snotting. We were crying, including me. Um, Just so beautiful. Um, And it was just like a fairy tale. It was a dream until cocktail hour because we did this whole room flip thing. And it's like, oh, this is cute. We're going to have cocktails out in the lounge and crab dip and all of these things until we ran out of food 15 minutes into the cocktail hour. There were no napkins. There were no forks. There was hardly nothing. I have people texting me. Me, the brides, are texting me like, girl, that crab dip is gone. Like, And I'm like, oh, my God. So now I have 150 angry, hungry black people crowded in the foyer of Silver and Arboretum, starving at this point until we get the room flipped over. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going crazy. Like so many people were calling me. I was so overwhelmed. Nothing was turning out right. It's dark outside. It's just nothing is supposed to be, nothing is the way it's supposed to be. I had like a mini breakdown. I am hysterical and a little bit dramatic. Running through the gardens of Silburn in my gown, dragging through the ground, it's dirt all in my gown, flowers under the tool. My husband just runs after me like, honey, it's going to be okay. That's his favorite line, by the way. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So he whisks me back in. We're cutting the cake. Everything is calming down. I'm like, oh, this is kind of, oh, this is okay. This is good. Until it's time to serve the food and the alcohol. Now, now you're talking about alcohol now. The caterers at this point, and now it's hitting me that, oh, the wedding planner was right. (laughs) This is a shit show. This is a mess. So the caterers are telling people they have to stand in a line of twos to get drinks. They don't have... They don't have place. We're running around trying to get place. And all of this is coming back to me. I don't even know how. I had like 15 people in my bridal party. And no one was really handling anything. I was handling the things. Every time you turned around, the event coordinators were coming in the room because there was commotion. I just kept her hearing, fussing every time I turned around until I'm sitting there about to eat my dinner. 
and all of a sudden there's this loud commotion, a fight breaks loose, my mother gets slapped in the face, food is in the air, on the table, on the floor, it's, it is a mess. The wedding coordinator, um, the event coordinator comes into the room, tells my husband, like, I'm so sorry, we're going to have to shut this down. We're probably about 45 minutes in. 45 minutes in, $25,000 in. It had to have been about, I guess, 10 years before we got married since we've been dating. Two kids in. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I am now running into the bathroom. I mean, all of it's dramatic once I think about it. I'm running into the bathroom. I'm sliding down the wall, crying in my wedding dress. There's like mascara dripping all over the place. My head, the, the police are there in seconds. Now, I'm just like, we need this everywhere, okay? They're there in seconds. And my husband is now carrying me out the back door of Silburn Arboretum in my wedding dress. He stuffs me into the car, closes the door. I haven't eaten. I haven't had a slice of cake. I don't even think I had champagne, honestly. Um, I'm in the car. We're driving. And um, I go to sleep, but I realize I probably just, like, passed out or fainted at this point. Um, I wake up. We're at Royal Farms. Um, and for my dinner, I had cheese fries and a big slushie. Okay, right at Royal Farms. Um, wake up again. My husband is now driving into the night. Wake up on a private beach in Atlantic City. Um, champagne for breakfast, so I did get that. Um, and we're just, like, trying to process it all. It took months to, like, really just come down, forgive people, find out what really happened. And at this point, we're just planning for the honeymoon, which we intentionally planned out because we're like, are oh, we going to go to Mexico for 10 days and leave the kids behind and have a great time and maybe we'll even get married again there, which that was the plan. We get to Mexico. We're welcomed with you know, beautiful cocktails of straws in them. That's amazing time. We have a great dinner the first night, which was our actual anniversary, so that was great. Um, probably about the third day in of 10, um, we are like, oh, let's go to the swim-up bar and have cocktails. And, and everyone is, like, running around frantic, closing down. And we're like, well, what, what's going on? We can't get reservations. They're canceling our reservations on this beautiful beachfront resort. And they're like, oh, a storm is coming. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm just thinking a storm, like we're in Baltimore, it's a storm. But they really mean a storm. <laughs> we go back to the room, we order room service, have a great night, okay, have a great night. <laughs> um, wake up in the morning for breakfast, and it's just quiet, the whole place. We hear nothing. I'm like, what is going on? Nobody's in. The phones aren't ringing, like nothing's working. I go downstairs to concierge, and... The whole lobby is filled with people. Every two minutes, they're literally, like, putting new signs out. And I'm like, what is this? At this point, I'm trying to be cute. I don't have my glasses on, like, right now. <laughs> trying to be cute. I don't know what's going on. Get back up to the room. As I'm walking upstairs, the guy tells me that we are evacuating. He says, we, you have to pack your things and go. You can only take a backpack and two bottles of water and come back downstairs in five minutes. I get back upstairs. My husband's on a sofa with his robe on he's got a cigar in his mouth I'm like oh my gosh I'm panicking I'm like turn on the tv 
He turns on the TV. At this point, they have videos of Hurricane Katrina playing on the TV saying that this storm will be worse, okay, than Hurricane. They have people on the roofs, people swimming in the water. I'm freaking out. I'm trying to call my mom. The phones aren't working. I can't get through. And he's like, I mean, it's, I mean, it can't be. It's going to be okay. Five minutes later, we're evacuated to a storm shelter. Three days into our honeymoon. Um, doors are boarded up. Windows are boarded up. We hear, like, things hitting up against the window. I'm hysterical once again. Um, and he's just like, everything's going to be okay. And it was. Um, they sent in relief flights from Southwest. Um, so our 10-day honeymoon turned into a three-day, or maybe two days if you count us staying in a storm shelter. Get back to our room. It's a tree in there. I mean, it's just a mess. It's a mess. We grab our things. We go to the airport. We're back home. We're reunited. I get to the States. Facebook's like, do you want to check in and tell your family you're safe? And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So we got home, and I was like, for our anniversary this year, we're not doing anything. I'm not going, I'm not answering the phone. I was closing the blinds. I mean, it was insane. It was insane. And now we're on year eight of marriage, which is my favorite number. And we're deciding to do it all over again. (laughs) We're going to have a wedding. We now have three kids. And we're done. And a new um, beautiful golden doodle. And we will be getting married across the water at the World Trade Center on September 10th of 2022. I love that they, first of all, they tell people to show up a half hour early or an hour early so that they'll actually get there on time. But then she's late and then they run out of food and then this caterer. And then you think, finally, they're going to the wedding is over. Like that's all done in the rearview mirror, going to the honeymoon and then Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> it, it's like insult to injury times 10. And um but you know they got through it and they're, and they're still they're very so married happily married yeah yeah um, anyway um, I hope you enjoyed those fiasco stories for this week we will have one more week of wedding stories um, for you and until then you can visit us at stoopstorytelling.com you can find our podcast episodes on wherever you get your podcasts and thank you to Maureen Harvey who is not a fiasco. Oh, God, no. And to our podcast that didn't go wrong. (laughs) See you soon.